All right, we got our stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to explain about wiretapping. All sorts of, and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll just see what James happens. James Comey. Yeah, our, our favorite James Comey. Yeah, all right, so let's do it. People. All right. Welcome to Sanity Check, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined today by audience advocate extraordinaire Tom. Hi. We're recording on the evening of Thursday, March 23rd, 2017. Today is day 63 of The Resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, and at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So we will uh, we'll move into our now pretty usual best and worst news of the week segment. Um, so Tom, do you want to start us off with, um, how about your best or worst? Whichever one you want. Uh, I'll start with the worst. I mean, okay. uh, I, it's unfortunate how common these attacks have been, but I mean, this London, another terrorist attack on uh, the center of a, you know, a, a big progressive city um, is always a terrible way to start a week. It is pretty hard to argue with that. Um, that is obviously quite terrible. Um, I, I have been heartened and also not surprised by the the reaction of Londoners. Yeah. And you know, kind of kind of like New Yorkers, you know, not not letting it terrorize them. Even though of course that's that's the goal of the uh of the terrorist. Yeah. So, and I think know, it's good you know, for them. Uh so that's the that's that's the tough news. The news I was gonna highlight is my favorite, which is sort of a weird one but i'm glad it's just interesting that i was reading on the hill that trump threatens to leave obamacare in place if <laughs> uh, if they if if the repeal fails so it's kind of like this whole thing we're watching this sort of sped up crazy process they're doing and how it's like just seems totally destined to fail and now trump is saying oh great you know maybe we get to keep obamacare if when this fails yeah and we'll we'll definitely get more in depth on that uh later on but it it is a you know if you if you take yourself purely in a vacuum and forget for a second that this will affect the lives of tens of millions of people um it is pretty funny that he's he's threatening people with with leaving our improved healthcare system in place yeah i mean has the percent like the popularity of obamacare i keep hearing that it's been going up and up as oh it has it, it definitely has so, and we'll, 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 but we'll get into that okay um so i guess that that leads into my best um news of the week which i'm i'm cheating and i'm i'm kind of uh picking two uh, but but for me yeah the i've enjoyed the spectacle spectacle of the ahca just being a complete clusterfuck for for the Republicans in almost every way. I mean, it's just been such a huge disaster and has exposed them as being just horrible at their jobs in addition to it being horrible policy. Um, I, so I've enjoyed that. Um, and then I was I was pleased today when Chuck Schumer announced that he was going to be voting no on Neil Gorsuch and, in fact, was going to be filibustering and supporting a uh, general democratic filibuster. Um, and we can talk about this more later. That's great. It remains to be seen whether or not 
uh, a filibuster will will actually happen. But uh, I I was pleased I was pleased to hear that that was in the works anyway. Yeah. So um, to follow up on that, my worst news of the week is is just that. Uh, with that being said, Gorsuch is going to end up being confirmed anyway. And after you know hearing the highlights of his 20 hours of testimony, I find that quite depressing. So, um, yeah. again, yeah. another topic for us to get into. Um, so, uh, before we get into the heavy stuff, um, you and I had talked a little bit before we started recording about the uh, the international incident that right. Trump that Trump's lie about Obama wiretapping him has ballooned into. Yeah, his uh, crazy Twitter, you know, uh, that he's totally refused to back off of, and then everybody has totally, it's just ended up in this crazy place. Well, it, it's sort of been like a, a domino effect, I think. I think a bunch of stuff has happened since our our show last week that would not have happened if he had a not sent the tweets in the first place and or b backed off of the tweet pretty much right away when it was really obvious that it wasn't true the first being um that i don't think that the the house intelligence committee would have gotten james comey to come in on monday without the yeah. tweets and uh, and then the second being the sort of international incident that has arrived. Uh, you know, first uh, Angela Merkel was here last week for a, a super awkward state visit. Um, I, have you seen the video of them in the Oval Office for their photo op and you know, kind of glowering at each other? But then Angela Merkel leans over and you can you can hear her say, "Do you want to do a handshake?" And <laughs> I mean, you know, this has been a staple of yeah. his visit so far. You know, the power handshake, right? Yeah. And and he, you, he clearly hears her. He's like looking at her when she's saying this, and she asks the question. <sighs> and he, he just turns away and ignores her. It was so rude. <laughs> Has is it? Do you think it's uh, like just a woman in power? I mean, is it his sexism that's driving this, or is I, it? His I mean, dislike? I I feel like that has to be a big part of it. Uh, I ha- yeah, I'm just wondering, like, are there examples of, has, is this the first female leader who has been presented with the um, idea of I th- shaking I think her since, hand as an equal? Or, since or he became president, peer? it is. Uh, there were some, there were some times during the the campaign when there were, there were issues like when he was in Detroit and he started a stump speech at a, uh, at a black church and the female pastor came up and told him that he wasn't there for political reasons and he had to stop. Huh. And he backed down immediately and then he started bad-mouthing her afterwards. Huh. And he sort of did that this time too because after Merkel left, he sent out these crazy tweets about how uh, Germany owed the U.S. money for NATO. Right. Which is not actually true. Um, so, like, he, you know, he, well, is, is he, he won't say this, he this shit to her face, right? But he'll, um, he'll do it after she leaves. Um, but of course it got worse after the handshake because they're at their, or the non-handshake that is, they're at their dual press conference and, um, the German media actually did a really good job of asking him some tough questions. Um, so, you know, props to them. And, uh, at one point he said that, and clearly this was a, a joke that he had prepared because he had his, uh, applause crew 
ready to go. But um, he, he said something like, uh, you know, the chancellor and I have something in common because we were both wiretapped by the previous administration. You know, obviously in reference <sighs> to the revelations in the Snowden report that, right. that you know, we had been that wiretapping. That had had some yeah. sort of bug on it. And she did not look too happy by uh, by this <sighs> joke. Um, it's just weird how, like, it's just tough thinking about how he doesn't connect himself with the presidency. He, like, even as the president, he somehow is distancing himself from what, like, the government does. And I think, it, you know, I guess it makes sense when he's talking about the previous administration, but, but he does it, you know, in terms of the way he distances himself from what the army does, um, right? Wasn't there some... Uh, yeah, he uh, he wouldn't take any responsibility for the Yemen raid, and he said that that was the generals and the Secretary of Defense, and you yeah. know, go talk to them. It's just going to be a continued thing where, like, he's sort of somehow he just doesn't understand what it is to be the president, and that's just going to become clearer and clearer. But I do want to go back to that Angela Merkel thing because I think there's something just to watch. Like, he clearly has real issues with. Um, like women and like he has this weird disgust issue that's been talked about before like the um, I wonder how he's going to deal with uh, you know the prime minister of the UK and like well other... she was very obsequious to him so so he didn't really mind that oh, okay and she held his hand when they were going down the stairs oh which we found out was a big deal because he's afraid of stairs <laughs> Right, so. The small hands won't go around the railings. Right, right. Uh, but no, no. I mean, you're 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 right. I mean, I guess we have one fewer uh, female chief executive now that the South Korean president has been removed. Um, so mm-hmm. it's I guess the only two who come to mind right at the moment are Angela Merkel and uh, Theresa May. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, we will not be adding Marine Le Pen to that list in France. But, you know, we'll have to see. So speaking of Great Britain, uh, Trump's tweet continued to have ramifications when, in about the thousandth time that Sean Spicer was forced to uh, defend the tweet, um, he decided to pass the buck and uh, he... He read a conspiracy theory that had been delivered by a Fox News contributor, a guy named Andrew Napolitano, um, who said that actually uh, maybe it wasn't you know the NSA who had who had wiretapped Trump Tower. It was actually the GCHQ, which is the British equivalent of the NSA, the Government Communication Headquarter. Um, and the British were not happy. They were really pissed off um, because obviously this is not true. And, yeah. you know, we have a particularly special relationship with them. <laughs> and the GCHQ and the NSA, in fact, have a particularly close relationship. Um, the CIA has historically been kind of pissy because they feel like the NSA shares information with GCHQ before uh. the CIA sometimes. Um, and so apparently it was actually the prime minister's office who lodged an official complaint 
with the White House. And then there's been this back and forth because there were reports that that the National Security Advisor, General McMaster, had to officially apologize. Um, but then Trump and the White House denied that that had happened, and that pissed the British off even more. And so it's really a big mess. So he, you know, in the in the course of a weekend, he managed to really further alienate two of our most important partners in Europe, Germany and England, yeah. uh, because of his stupid, lying tweet about President Obama. I mean, it's, again, it's just, uh, I'm sure we've talked about this, but it's so incredible the amount of problem they can create out of no problem, you know, and, and there, there are going to be problems, you know, in the next four years, just something really bad's going to happen. And I mean, it's scary. It's terrifying that like, this is the way they act when things are going great. You know, the economy's doing really well. Uh, you know, there are no new major uh, military actions going on. Like this is, this is when things should be really smooth and somehow they create these weird dramas with our closest allies. Right, I mean, we're on day 63 of the Trump presidency and or the resistance depending on how you look at it. And, I mean, I feel like you could count on one or two hands the number of days where there has not been some sort of, like, major issue that has mostly been self-inflicted, going oh. to what you were saying. Maybe, but maybe when actually bad stuff happens, they'll, like, they don't have, won't have to create stuff that's bad. Yeah, maybe that's the positive spin on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, that's an interesting thing that you say. I mean, I think that clearly, you know, up until now, one of Trump's crisis management styles has been to actually actively create new crises in order to distract from the previous one. Yeah. And that was fine when he was running like a, a fake crappy business in New York and to a certain degree, even when he was a candidate for president and what he did didn't really matter um and it was actually pretty effective but it's not really that great when you're actually the president um you know as we can see governments do not function very well when they're in a constant state of crisis yeah and uh, you know i don't want him to do well personally but i would like the government to function in a somewhat somewhat competent manner just to you know so that we can all sleep at night yeah, but it's a fairly common, I mean, I guess, idea that, I mean, conservatives don't believe the government does, has much of value. So maybe from his, his supporters are saying, this is great. Look, now look, the government just doing nothing the way they should be doing, you know, running around chasing their own tail. But that's going to be a real big issue once well, they actually have to of, respond to something. He made a lot of promises when he was running for president. You know, he promised that he was going to destroy ISIS within 30 days. You know, as we just mentioned, we're on day 63. <laughs> Obviously, that hasn't happened. We can see in London that certainly hasn't happened, right? ISIS yeah. claimed responsibility for that attack today. Um, you know, he claimed that they were going to, uh, on day one, they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. Uh, wow. That certainly has not happened, you know, and, and we'll get into that. Uh, you know, he claimed they were going to build a wall. I mean, that is... I don't even know what to say about that. Well, I hope um, 
Let it continue that he fails to, to you know, follow up on his we, promises. We were going to be so tired of winning, right? Yeah. I mean, he hasn't. He has not succeeded at anything, like a literally anything. I mean, besides. But he's created the, controversy. Yeah, I mean that, the deregulations that he's able to just announce by fiat. I guess he's done. But um, so one of the one of the other things that that you know I think probably would not have happened without this tweet about President Obama was this public. House Intelligence Committee hearing on Monday featuring uh, now super famous FBI Director James Comey. Yep. Um, All the center of the center of action. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I mean, th- this was new, very newsworthy, and uh, there there was a lot of there was a lot of Russian news <laughs> that came yeah. came out of that, since that was obviously the focus. I mean, um, of, first Comey officially confirmed that. Obviously, the Obama wiretapping stuff was bullshit, yeah. but we really knew that already. But what we didn't know absolutely for sure, what I think we all kind of assumed, but you know, it was impossible to know until we were told, was that, yes, the FBI does have an official investigation into the Trump campaign and its connections to Russia, Russian intelligence, and their attempts to interfere in our election. Um, including the hack of the DNC, of John Podesta, the dissemination of material directly and through third parties such as WikiLeaks, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And in addition to the counterintelligence investigation, he said that they were constantly evaluating uh, things from a criminal perspective, Um, which I thought was very noteworthy because that was – a piece that he kind of volunteered. Nobody asked him about that. And, um, you know, it it seemed to me that he was making sure to have it on the record that criminal action may have taken place and, you know, indictments were a possibility, uh, a possible outcome of this investigation. To what degree can Trump control... You know, there is that idea that he is the commander in chief and he sort of runs all of these departments. Can he stop so, that? So historically, you know, the the FBI reports to the uh, direct, directly to the deputy attorney general, mm-hmm. who is in this case also kind of the acting attorney general because Jeff Sessions recused yeah. himself on investigations related to the Trump campaign. Um, So the FBI does report to the Department of Justice. That being said, there has been a historical rule, it's not a law, but a rule that says that the executive branch, and in particular the White House, does not interfere in any investigation by the FBI. Um, Well, it seems pretty critical to our democracy, you know, that somebody is able to... Um, to look into laws broken by the government, you know, and and usually that's, I mean, the Senate investigates things, right? But they often go to the various branches. Well, so the the Senate Senate investigations or House investigations, congressional investigations in general, really exist as oversight. Hmm. So you know the 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 first line law enforcement investigation is supposed to be conducted 
at the federal level by the FBI or in some cases by the Solicitor General, uh, but certainly if there's criminal activity involved or counterintelligence or anything like that, the FBI is going to do it. And then the, um, the various committees in Congress uh, can do investigations as well um, as oversight to ensure, in theory, that the, that the FBI conducted the investigation properly and they can kind of collate information from, from various sources since they have the authority to, to collect classified materials very quickly and, and so on and so forth. Um, but I, I don't think that you would want them doing an investigation in lieu of the FBI. Cause... Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing is they don't have the tools, but the only people who have the tools work for Trump. And I think, I mean, Trump has clearly demonstrated that he doesn't care about norms. You know, he doesn't care about the historical relationship between powers. So if any president was going to be like, oh, like, guess what? You're fired and you're all fired. Anybody running, <laughs> running an investigation into me is fired. That would, it would be Trump doing that. Oh, totally. And, you know, that, I think you're spelling out one of the big arguments for an independent investigation, um, either through a, you know, uh, uh, like a Senate select committee or uh, a completely independent commission, something like the 9-11 commission or the, um, the, the Warren commission following the assassination of uh, JFK. You know, something that's completely independent and uh, and which answers directly to the public. So uh, how is how is the sure how how are people responding? This? I mean, within the Trump administration to James Comey. Well, that's an interesting question. So I think the the best answer that we have to that because they, for the most part, they they didn't really respond that much. Um, they kept pretty quiet about it. I mean, Trump couldn't help but live tweet Ugh. the hearing and uh sad his live tweet right uh, and his live tweets actually got smacked down during the hearing because uh members of congress read the tweets <laughs> to comey because he uh, trump sent out a tweet being like the fbi confirms that you know or does not deny that obama uh wiretapped trump <laughs> and and so they read this out and comey was like that's not what i said and that's certainly not what I meant. So, I mean, this is, it was real-time fact-checking, which I guess was good in, the, in that case. But the, I think the biggest response that we've seen was this completely and utterly bizarre action that Devin Nunez, the uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, took yesterday. Hmm. I mean, did, did you follow that at all? No. Okay, so he announces he's going to be calling a press conference. And at about like three o'clock uh, yesterday, he holds a press conference right outside the White House where he announces that he has just come from briefing the Speaker of the House and the President about this information that he has uncovered, which shows that um, Trump associates and possibly Trump himself were uh, were were caught up in um, in presumably NSA uh, recordings of communications. Hmm. Um, and, you know, he was extremely disturbed by this and, you know, and their names had been unmasked and, uh, you know, how terrible was this? And, and then Trump 
you know, said that he felt very vindicated by this and so on. And and this was a violation of norms in so many ways. It's kind of ridiculous. Hmm. I mean, you you have here the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee who came into possession theoretically of new intelligence, and instead of informing his committee or even uh, his partner, who is the ranking member from the opposite party, in this case Adam Schiff, the congressman yeah. from from Los Angeles, uh, he went running to the White House to who is the focus of the investigation, right? Right. Um, to tell them to tell them about it. Um, he also, during his press conference, you know, revealed that that this information had been collected legally uh, through uh, FISA warrants. It is FISA warrants are classified, and so it could certainly be argued that he he leaked classified information, which is both hilarious because the Republicans are harping on oh yeah on leaks, Leaking. and uh, also maybe a felony. Because you know it is a felony to um, to leak classified information, and so he may have done that on on television. Um, and uh, I think it was also, uh, and then today he he refused to deny. He so he would not say what the source of this information was, uh, and he said he did not have it in his possession. Uh, but he would not deny today that the source of the information might have been the White House itself. Huh. But his point was that he was trying to back up Trump's right. Trump's so, like crazy. All these people trying to jump in front of or like somehow prop up this totally fabricated I mean, it, thing because Trump it, won't back down. Yeah, it seems like we're having a sort of a cycle where Trump tweets something crazy, which is not true. And then his deputies and staff and so on go out and try to find or manufacture evidence that proves what he said. And I think this was another example. Yeah. Um, so this guy was just in, saying, in no hey, way does that. I have secret information through confidential sources that he was caught up in, you know, he wasn't actually the target, but he and his people were caught up in this other thing. And that's, that's why president tweeted those crazy things. Right. And it, it and this is really stupid because a they've been complaining about leaks from confidential sources and b even he is saying that if this happened it was done in a legal way and c he uh, you have to take him at his word that these that these names were even unmasked and even if they were unmasked that there isn't anything necessarily wrong with that um so uh, for people who aren't familiar with that, um, the NSA can wiretap people in other countries kind of with impunity, right? Mm -hmm. um, but they're a lot more restricted in the way that they can listen in on American citizens. Right. Um, so the only way they can listen to American citizens is with a FISA court warrant, um, which they can only do if uh, if they can demonstrate to a reasonable degree that an American citizen is acting as an agent of a foreign country or is committing some kind of crime. Right. Um, the other way that it can happen is if they are legally listening to a foreign national and that person just happens to be talking to an American. 
Right. Uh, and so the person is kind of incidentally, the American is incidentally picked up in that conversation. I mean, you know, that's not really anyone's sure. fault. Right. So uh, presumably a lot of these conversations would be, you know, they they were listening to the Russian ambassador who has been, you know, who took down Mike Flynn, his conversations. Right. Um, and the Russian ambassador may have been talking with various Trump associates or even Trump himself. And so in those cases, what they're supposed to do when they produce their reports is they they have the transcript, but they redact the American citizen's name. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the only time that that name is unmasked, is, which is the term that they use, is if uh, that person's name is you know important for understanding the context of the conversation. Um, or if there's just if there's a legitimate reason to do it, um, and that has to be um, again done through official channels and with with quite a bit of oversight, um, and it's, it's not a minor thing, and it happens pretty rarely, but it does happen, and it can be done totally legally. Um, so, but my when I hear this, I still come from the standpoint that Trump is Trump heard like misheard something on Fox News and started tweeting this thing that just was really made up out of whole cloth. So now we've entered this space where they're trying to say like, oh, I have secret information that says that maybe this, you know, under certain conditions, this might have been sort of true. And then you've got Adam Schiff responding and it looks like John McCain also trying to, uh, wanting to maybe set up a special panel to do yep. deeper investigation. But it just... Well, they're, right, they're making why it worse go, for themselves. Yeah, why would you want to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> well, I mean, it, not to mention that if that he Nunez may here be confirming that Trump or Trump associates were caught having these conversations with Russian intelligence or or you know uh, people that that the NSA had you know, really serious reason to be listening to. And, you know, you probably wouldn't want to be caught on a telephone call with them um, or emailing with them. So he, he's sort of admitting that they were at least in communication with um, nefarious people, um, which he would, you know, this wouldn't, none of this would have happened if, if Trump had kept his mouth shut, as you say. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think they're totally make, that you can imagine how, he was talking with the Russian, uh, you know, or someone on his team was talking with Russian individuals, and they were caught up in some sort of a thing. But it is equally possible that none of this is true. You know, like oh, that it yeah, wasn't even knows? there wasn't an investigation, and this is all just this is all just like smokescreen for something that's just going to be a huge waste of time and money. I mean, I I, I think the Comey stuff well, we, we, that we sounds like it's that actually a, happening, right. and we that do know that there's an happen. investigation, and. Um, in addition to that, we, we do have some new information. Over the last two days, um, Adam Schiff, the, the ranking Democratic member of the House Committee, has has upped his um, his rhetoric, if you will. Um, so on Monday, after the Comey testimony, he said that that there was he thought pretty strong circumstantial evidence mm -hmm. that there had been collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Uh, but he would not go beyond that. Um, last night, 
he said that he now saw uh, evidence that went beyond circumstantial. Um, hmm. He wouldn't he wouldn't clarify exactly what he meant, um, but he said it was more than circumstantial. And you know he chooses his words very carefully. He's a former federal prosecutor, U.S. attorney from from Los Angeles, and he does you know he doesn't say things lightly. Hmm. Um, and uh, I think he's done a, a really good job, actually, um, with, with all of this stuff. Um, and then today he said on CNN that, you know, he confirmed what he said yesterday, that he had seen uh, evidence that went beyond circumstantial evidence. He said at this point, you know, the investigation was still ongoing, of course. But um, at this point, while he would not bring this evidence in front of a trial jury where he had to prove something beyond a reasonable doubt he would feel comfortable bringing this level of evidence before yeah. a grand jury um, and uh, feel confident that he could get an indictment and uh, that's pretty strong well who do you, who is he referring to do you think well he won't i have no idea and you know he's not going to say yeah i mean we can I, the most obvious person is is paul manafort yeah um you know, we we had this AP report yesterday that that Manafort was getting paid tens of millions of dollars a year to uh, to lobby on behalf of Russia directly in in the federal government and so on. So um, he seems like the most crooked character, but there, there there are a bunch of different people. But but who knows what he's talking about? Yeah, I guess we'll find out. We're just gonna it's gonna continue the drama of this administration. <sighs> I mean, it, it's I think it's a pretty unprecedented situation in American history where we have the FBI publicly declaring that they are investigating the White House um, with e perhaps even stronger language from a Congressional Oversight Committee also investigating. And at the same time, the same, those same people who are being investigated are still running the country. Yeah. And we have no idea how long this is going to go on for. I mean, uh. it seems kind of crazy. In, unless, unless they get to Trump, I mean, Trump will never admit anything, and uh, you know, I feel it's very likely if it, if Manafort does get in trouble, I could see him, uh, you know, commuting that sentence. Or, that, I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know. Like he'll he'll cut ties or he'll protect people. It doesn't really. Well, I mean, if Trump wanted to, he could pardon right now. Yeah. He could preemptively pardon everyone Everybody. who worked on his campaign. Right. And, you know... Uh, he has, like, 15 different ways to solve this problem, going from, like, telling FBI to stop looking or, or pardoning all the people, unless it relates directly to him. Um, and nobody seems to be willing to... Well, I've, I've never that. felt that there was going to be a lot of evidence related directly to him, just because I think he has such a low attention span and is essentially so stupid... Yeah. that um, it's much more likely that things were done on his behalf than that he right. did them himself. Or that they're, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of, you know, their position with him to get their own um, sort of kickbacks and they're manipulating him. I mean, he is fairly, I would think he'd be fairly easy to manipulate. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if stuff came out about um, things that he did to his financial advantage. Um, but I guess depending on what that stuff is, I don't know if that would be criminal or not. It would just be kind of yeah. corrupt. 
I mean, I look forward to this stuff going, you know, like going forward and seeing where it goes, but I just, I don't have any hope anymore that he's going to like, you know, this is going to be that impeachment event and then we'll like get back to having an act, like a more normal government, you know, he's going to, he's safe from all of this because he's both because he's the president and just because of, he's such a sort of weird person. <laughs> okay. And I think that to a, a certain degree, we were talking about Masha Gessen's um, article um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it's a very legitimate point. I guess what I would say is that um, while I do think that this is sucking a lot of oxygen out of the room and probably distracting to a certain degree from all the other horrible things that he and his administration are trying to do, I don't think that that means that we should just ignore right. the Russia issue. Um, no, I mean, my hope... Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if, the... the if, if he colluded... That's the biggest political scandal in American history, yeah. and criminal, criminal, criminal behavior, um, and you know he shouldn't be allowed to get away with that. I mean, I think there are a couple of good things about, you know, this continued, you know, search. Um, I mean, partially it is going to distract them and maybe slow them down in all the yep. horrible things they're actually trying to do. And like, I think my best hope for the next four years is that enough he loses enough ties with enough people that he just gets marginalized somehow you know people just sort of go around him because he's the crazy guy um who's already tweeted a whole bunch of lies for the first two years and now like everything he says you just sort of another cry wolf yeah um, and, I th and i think you are seeing that to a certain degree already i mean in, in the latest gallup poll his approval rating is down to 37 percent, which is historically low for uh, president 60 days into the into his presidency um, and in that poll he was down from 91 percent support among republicans to 81 percent support which is still astoundingly high considering what a crazy you know piece of crap he is but uh that's still a pretty big drop from from the previous poll which was only a few weeks ago yeah so um you know i'm hoping that some of the the non-crazy people who voted for him are uh, are starting to to jump ship, if you will. Yeah. Um, and perhaps uh, a lot of that may have to do with um, with our next big topic, okay. which is the segue on the, the American Healthcare Act, which is been, <laughs> um, I I don't even really know how how would you describe it. I mean, it's that's madness you know like i mean both from when it the way it started and this crazy rush to pass it pass this thing that is just so it's... broken in every way yeah i mean it's so you know we're speaking on thursday evening and it was supposed to go to a vote today and it didn't because uh, apparently it would not have passed there, <laughs> there were not enough votes but it, they, you know, until the last minute, they were trying to get it out there, and they were hastily making revisions. So they were going to put out. They were going to put a vote on reforming our entire healthcare system with a bill that most of the people voting probably would not have even really seen yet. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's insane. Um, so I mean, I, I I mean I don't even know what to say. I mean, yeah, the 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 initial rollout of it was crazy. 
the the amendments that they've they've put in put on our crazy did you have a, a chance to see i didn't see the new amendments i mean i've been actually this is one of the ones i had been following like when it came out and it was like sort of it wasn't really a repeal it just was a huge tax cut for rich people and it was just yeah. going to be a, a huge drain it was going to obamacare the markets were still going to fail but uh, at some point but at you know it was ultimately just this big tax cut and and then uh I heard it just kept getting more, like a lot of the right-wing stuff started getting shoved in at the last moment to try and Yeah, so, ba- you know, <laughs> amazingly, the a big complaint from the so-called House Freedom Caucus was that this was not nearly draconian enough, you know, um, cutting health insurance from 24 million people over 10 years was apparently not, that was not sufficient. Yeah, you know, uh, we need we need to punish them more. Well, um, they really want to just go back and like actually repeal it, even though it has successfully gotten so many people health well, insurance. Well, I mean, I, I would argue that they they actually want to go further than that. Um, they want to not only repeal Obamacare, but they want to they want. I mean, they they fundamentally believe well, they want to get rid of as, Medicare and Medicaid and all right, of that. As that the federal government has no place in healthcare and. Uh, should get out of the business entirely. So as you say, to you know, get rid of Medicaid and Medicare and so on. And um, and so there are uh, larger cuts to Medicaid in the in the current plan, though apparently still not sufficient yeah. to get the House Freedom Caucus fully on board. So is it the House Freedom Caucus who blocked the vote at the last moment? Is that what they're saying? I think it's it's mostly. I mean, there it's you have some more moderate members on the other side who think that that the cuts are, are too draconian, particularly in uh, districts that Hillary Clinton may have won. Um, like that, this is the upstate New York, like the payoff for them. Right. right, so there's what Tom is referring to here is that is that they added some, some provisions specifically for upstate New York, um, uh, changing the way that Medicaid reimbursements would work. In upstate New York, to to benefit the the districts there specifically, just to try to add a couple more votes. And yeah. historically, that has not been a very effective technique because it tends to piss off Congress people from everywhere else. Um, you know, like why are sure why are these people getting special treatment? So um, your sense, because that was what I was trying to figure out. I'm looking at a graph from Real Clear Politics about popularity. Um, yeah. of Obamacare, because I just think that's such an interesting thing that's happened, uh, you know, over since uh, basically December, it has been on this constant climb, and, uh, you know, a, ever a pretty since significant climb. February, it's more popular, you know, there are more people for Obamacare, it's like the first time in, that there are... There are over 50%. Yeah, over 50% for Obamacare, so something's really changed in the way people's minds work or well, this, it just has something is, to do with like once you start trying to take it away suddenly you're like yeah. oh wait a second i actually like this well i i think <sighs> it's a combination of a couple things um obama is out of office so it's harder to blame things on him uh they'll still try but it's harder and it's ex- and then exactly what you said that when people are faced with the prospect of having it taken away from yeah. them that is difficult and that's something that we've discussed a bunch in the and the previous couple of weeks is that that health insurance out of uh, pretty much every kind of policy is one of the most immediate in terms of the way that 
everyday people and particularly non-rich people feel it yeah um you know i mean the congressional budget office put out their new estimate today um which was even worse than the oh, previous one. It didn't, it didn't move in the right direction? No, no. It, it, it had about the same number of people losing insurance, about $24 million, but instead of saving $337 million on the backs of all those people losing insurance, it would only save about $150 million. Oh, my God. Well, you got to give your rich people more tax cuts, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sorry. I've lost my train of thought. Well, I think there's just the concept that, like, they have, you're, they're dealing with both, um, uh, you know, congressmen who are faced with the fact that a lot of their constituents actually have started to like what they have, or at least they have some sort of a, you know, a bias around, you know, loss aversion. They're going to lose, they recognize they're going to lose their health care, and that's going to be a huge problem for them. And then you've got the Freedom Caucus, who are just ideologically opposed to all of this. Um, well, there have been a number of reports from Republican congressmen saying that they are getting just overwhelming calls to their offices, you know, like a thousand to one hmm. uh, against repealing. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, I would imagine that this is pretty persuasive to them if they believe that those phone calls are really coming from their district. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, because then, even, I mean, the worst thing about it is it's, it's just, it's not going to fix anything. It's not even going to create anything stable. It's going to pretend to continue to offer some sort of health insurance, but all of the markets are basically going to collapse, and and everyone's you know everyone's going to lose out on this. And I've also heard about the the plan, like the expectation that uh, employers are going to start dropping healthy or like. You know, smaller companies that have a lot of young people will just not get health insurance because it's such a there's such a great kickback for young, healthy people <laughs> from the government. Uh, I mean, well, this is all true. I mean, and it's um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, this is not. It's, it goes beyond not fixing things. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a way shittier version of Obamacare. Um, I mean, Obamacare was already a fairly conservative way of increasing the number of people who were insured. Yeah. It was a, a progressive end with a fairly conservative method. And so the, the only way to, to really fix the problems that it had were to throw more money or more regulations at it. Um, which are, are things that you and I are, are in favor of, mm -hmm. but certainly not what uh, the Republicans are in favor of. And so by removing regulations and decreasing the amount of money, not only are they not fixing things, but obviously they're making things a lot worse. And that's, you know, that's what the Congressional Budget Office report um, has demonstrated. What, one thing I do think is interesting is that from a political perspective, I think in a lot of ways, um, it, it failing to even come to a vote in the House or it being voted down in the House in some ways might be the best political outcome for the Republicans. Yeah. Well, I have heard that this was like, uh, you know, that this does seem like it could have been the strategy from the first. Let's just, let's just pretend to well, try I, and then I don't know have if, it. I don't know if fail. this bad was the plan. Well, no. I mean, I, I had heard a lot about it, you know, getting through the house and being 
taken down in, in the Senate and so on. Um, but I mean, this is just a complete disaster. I mean, they're yeah. not even bringing it to the floor today. I mean, you, you think, I know that we've had a lot of conversations off, offline about, you know, well, the House is really good at whipping up the votes. I mean, they really, you know, they have, you know, it's all Republicans. They can do this. Um, but it, and they have it, a long history true. of doing this kind of it thing. It is true that they have mostly, you know, at least for the last eight years, they've been doing it in the, not in the minority, but as not, not the, uh, the right. ruling party. In they the were White never House. actually th threatened with the chance that their crazy bill will get signed, signed into, law. into law. Yeah. Um, and and now they are, and uh, you know, I think we're seeing a you know a combination of cowardice and ineptitude and uh, just a, a lack of you know actual ability to govern. Um, yeah which is, uh, it's hard to fathom that, that after eight years of railing against the evils of Obamacare, that, you know, this is the best that they were able to come up with. Yeah, well, they never had a plan. Anybody who sort of watched them talk about it knew they didn't have a plan. Um, so yeah, that's why I like, that's why my excitement, uh, <laughs> the, the news of the week is that it seems like, uh, you know, what I have a quote here, um, you know, if, if for any reason the vote is down, we're just going to move on with additional parts of our agenda, which kind of sucks because the rest of their agenda is also terrible. But at least it means uh, that they're they may leave Obama Obamacare in place for you know for a little while, or at least most of it. Um, uh, they would they would still be able to mess with it in some budgetary ways, but yeah. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean. Uh, they're now saying that there's going to be a vote tomorrow, no matter what. No more negotiation. Yeah. You know, take it or leave it. Um, but on the other hand, Sean Spicer said at like two or three o'clock today that there was going to be a vote today. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, I, oh, <laughs> what they they lie? Oh. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? Um, so in things that have been actually proceeding. Uh, and have been extremely overshadowed by the, largely by the Russia stuff and also by the healthcare stuff, um, has been the Senate confirmation hearing of Neil Gorsuch, who uh, I will really only refer to as Neil Gorsuch, the person nominated for Merrick Garland's stolen seat to the Supreme Court. Um, so he, you know, he underwent. 20 hours of grilling where he managed not to say anything specific about what he thought about pretty much anything. Um, and I thought it looked like a real asshole. But he looks, you know, he really, he's that silver fox, you know? He is a, a handsome man. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Trump likes about him. Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the m most damning part of the testimony was when Al Franken brought up a decision that Gorsuch had made where Gorsuch backed up a company that had fired a truck driver who had been stranded in like super sub-zero uh, temperatures and he was already you know in the throes of mild hypothermia and hit the brakes on his tractor trailer had frozen and no longer worked and his company told him to drive anyway, and he refused because he realized that he would be a horrible danger to both himself and to others. And so he disconnected his cab from the trailer, 
and uh, even though he had fallen asleep at the wheel a couple of times because of the hypothermia, he decided that the you know basically in order to save his own life, he needed to drive somewhere where he could get, he could get warm, right. um, and he couldn't do that with the tractor, um, and he was fired by his company for doing this, um, and uh, and Gorsuch sided with them and franken got really really angry rightfully so and was like basically what the fuck is wrong with you i mean what was this guy supposed to do is there anyone here who would not have done exactly the same thing you know i mean his life was in danger other people's lives were in danger and he should get fired over it i mean you know what's wrong with you yeah Uh, and gorsuch really had no answer to that and i mean that i just i thought that was incredibly damning i mean that's the kind of person who is going to end up on the Supreme Court. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrifying. Yeah. I hear uh, that the uh, Democrats are going to filibuster, or, or maybe? Well, there, there seems to be at least an attempt. So um, Chuck Schumer, the minority leader, announced today that he was a definite no vote. Um, and uh, in addition to that, that he supported a, a filibuster. Um, uh, Senator Bob Casey from Pennsylvania um, also concurred in that direction, and uh, so it, it looks like. Uh, and and Richard Blumenthal from from Connecticut had had already been saying that. So uh, it's looking more and more like that's the direction that Democrats are going to go yeah. in. Um, I think they're feeling particularly emboldened after the the revelation from Comey. You know, they're saying why. Why should we go along with letting a White House that's under criminal FBI investigation appoint, give a, a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court? I mean, it's a, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and uh, and Gorsuch put on such a, a feckless performance, at least from my point of view, that that I think that um, uh, a filibuster is uh, is a very reasonable approach and it's something that I've supported from the beginning. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's been some, had been some talk about, you know, maybe holding off and, and saving the filibuster for a prospective next nominee. But I, I, I don't really see any reason to do that. So, uh, you know, I'm in favor of filibuster and, uh, you know, we'll see if that forces Mitch McConnell to use the nuclear option and, get rid of the filibuster great um which is not a great thing um but uh yeah i mean i think that i think the democrats have to do what what they can to stop it i mean i think it's both ethically the right thing to do and politically the right thing Um, i think i think that they want to be on record as opposing Trump in every way possible yeah. and ap- opposing a guy like Gorsuch who is clearly not anything close to a moderate you know if if he were a republican version of Merrick Garland a pretty moderate yeah slightly justice, conservative just justice on the, yeah then you know I, you could make a pretty strong argument to find you know find you know let him in and we'll we'll pick our battle with the next one but but this guy is, is pretty clearly, um, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. You know, he, he makes John Roberts look really reasonable. That is um, that is definitely true. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, let's just watch, see what the Democrats do. But, I mean, do you think 
they would nu use a nuclear option? I mean, that's just... Um, I think probably, because yeah. um, they would just, they want, they want to confirm them, and they have the option to do that, so uh, I think they're going to confirm them no, no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, unless, unless they're able to cut some sort of deal to, to, um, to get the Democrats to back off of filibuster. I mean, there's been some talk of, of back table negotiations where the Democrats agree not to filibuster in exchange for reinstating the 60 vote supermajority requirement for, um, for lower court, um, votes. Yeah. Um, and I guess I can see some of the appeal there, but you know, the Supreme court is way more important in my opinion, since of course it can overrule all those lower courts. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, they're, yeah. and unfortunately, I mean, we were, I was hoping, you know, with the Senate and the house and the presidency, you know, we'd be in, the, the Justice Department's kind of the the best hope, or the justices, but uh, I guess that's yeah. And, I mean, and, and we've seen with the uh, with the Muslim ban, uh, that's that's worked pretty well so far. That's another thing that Trump has failed at. Yeah. Um, but you know, of course, that that will probably end up in front of the Supreme Court at some point, and um, it has a much better chance at being uh, going Trump's way in the Supreme Court with uh, Neil Gorsuch on the court uh, than it would have with uh, Merrick Garland. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lousy situation, um, which uh, I guess re can act as, an, as a nice segue into uh, what is keeping you sane this week, Tom? Huh. What is keeping me sane? Uh... Maybe you should go first. <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I guess I'm feeling a little bit better than I was the last couple of weeks, just because I think it, I think it was a really bad week for the Trump administration. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had first, and this happened uh, before last episode. Um, we had the Muslim ban 2.0 was was knocked down. Um, we had the FBI, uh, talk about their investigation. Um, we had this Devin Nunez stuff, which I think actually really works against, uh, Trump. We've got CNN reporting that the FBI has all this information connecting Trump to Russia. There was this report about, um, Paul Manafort and his ties to Russia, um, there is their their health act being a complete disaster. So it's been yeah. it's been a bad week for them. So I think that's that, that nice in and of itself of, has kept me sane. Schadenfreude, or... <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably is. But it's um, you know it's I, I, like I like it when the Red Sox have a bad week. Yeah, you know, there's not there's an upside in having them. Yeah, be there's running like a more, so many a more serious version of that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think watching this process with the health care as you say just sort of falling apart and demonstrating how poor their coordination is i think i was always afraid as we had said like about the you know when they're they they're a 
organized um, and they can like sort of whip together the votes if they really need them. Um, and it's always you think of the Democrats as being, you know, tough, herding cats kind of problem. And so sort of seeing that the fractures that we saw in the conservative ideology that existed, you know, we were talking about a lot during the election and whether or not sort of this Trump wing or this sort of um, standard conservative ideology, like how they would mix and how they really, you know, maybe the party would shatter. I, I take a little hope in the idea that they certainly have not consolidated into anything that makes is going to be coherent um, or be able to push through any of the worst extremes of either ideology. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, I think the the worst possible outcome of the election would have been Trump going with his populist, nativist, bigoted social policy, mm-hmm. and then mixing that with a more traditionally blue-collar populist economic policy like actually expanding Medicaid and um, doing things that would entrench his support with um, the working class. Um, uh, That would have been kind of terrifying because that would have been really, really hard to fight against. Yeah, I mean, you could have, that's when you're like, oh, we're settling for the eight years and, you know, will pay the price in the long term when, when we're losing our sort of immigrants and we're losing our status in terms of, you know, internationally and we're losing our um, sort of scientific and academic renown and all those other things that he would cut. But... Yeah, but as you say, you know, I mean, um, you know, he, we're seeing a weird sort of... Or I guess it's not really a dichotomy in that he's he's... His domestic policy is still, it's pre- kind of fundamental Paul Ryan stuff. And so consequently, you know, as you say, we're seeing a, we're seeing an anger to a certain degree from, from Breitbart. Um, you know, Breitbart is not happy with the, with the healthcare plan. And then you've got the people who are even way more right wing than Paul Ryan, like the Freedom Caucus. And, and we are starting to see, see some divisions there. So, yeah, so hopefully yeah. we get to watch them pull themselves apart over the next couple of years. That would be nice. <laughs> and uh, ho- hopefully over the next year and a half, at which point we will storm back yeah. and retake Congress and uh, and put a stop to, to all of their machinations. That, that'll help keep me sane for a little while. Yeah, that would be, that would be nice. So thank you for listening to Sanity Chat. Make sure to join us again next week, and if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, at the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.